1: What's up guys? My name is Parker McDonald and I'm your host and you are listening to The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right everybody, welcome back to The Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am your host, Parker McDonald, and today we are talking with Tyler Jones from The Element. Now, if you have not heard of The Element, they are a uh, a podcast and YouTube channel just doing really, really cool stuff, and specifically on public land in Texas. Now, I know a lot of you guys are thinking Texas is not the South. Why are you talking about it? Texas is, in fact, in the South. It is uh, just without quite the accent of the South, and uh, I am... As a lot of you guys know, I'm from Texas, I'm from West Texas originally, and uh, live here in Alabama. So Texas has a very close place in my heart, and uh, my family's all still in East Texas, and so um, I was able to hook up with these guys um, online, and we've talked back and forth. I've been a guest on their podcast, The Element, um, and just really, really connected with them really well. They're super cool guys, very down-to-earth dude, Tyler and Casey. Both of them are awesome. And um, Tyler has been extra successful on public land in Texas the last two years and um, killed just great bucks, and one of them just a few weeks ago. And uh, he's going to break down kind of his strategies going into Texas. What is the terrain like? What's the um, habitat like for deer? What goes into finding where big bucks are going to be at? And um, I think you're going to enjoy this episode, even if you're not. Planning on hunting Texas, the way Tyler tells his stories and the way he's breaking down areas could be very, very beneficial to you guys as well. So, um, before we get into that, I want to take just a brief moment to thank some of the people who make the podcast possible. That being Scree Gear. Now you can go to the Scree Gear website at screegear.com and you can use the code Southern Ground and save you a little bit of money on your purchase. But if you haven't checked out Scree Gear, I really want to encourage you to do just that. They are um, coming out with new stuff all the time um, to help you be more effective in the woods. So um, again, you can check out screegear.com and you can save 10% on your purchase by using the code SOUTHERNGROUND at checkout. Let's get into this episode about hunting Texas public land with Tyler Jones. I am joined by my fellow Texas brethren, Tyler Jones from The <laughs> Element. Tyler, what's going on, man?
0: Dude, my belly is full and it's deer season, so I'm tired at this point, but uh, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about deer hunting, that's for sure.
1: Absolutely. Well, you've been been—you've been getting after it for sure. We're going to talk about that today. Um, anybody who is <laughs> not currently listening or watching The Element on YouTube and their podcast, you need to do so because these guys are absolutely crushing the game this year. Um Tyler and KC are some of the best dudes, salt of the earth guys and um not only that, but they they know how to stink and get it done. And uh we haven't Tyler, we haven't talked about Texas public land hunting at all on this podcast. I don't think I don't think we've ever discussed it. And uh um, perfect. So you guys have kind of been um making a name for yourself in that scene obviously you hunt some other states and we can talk a little bit about that um to start out but but the last couple of years you have had some some really good hunts on texas public it seems like you kind of know you sure have. <laughs> yeah man yeah so it's uh you know
0: the the texas game is something we've been doing and you know i don't know how um appealing it is to to the masses i guess but uh people in texas are definitely interested in it so uh but that's something we've been doing since um we've been filming hunts on public in texas since 2016 so if you're listening and you want to go back and watch our hunts don't go back too far because you know you know <laughs> you get better at the things that you do as you go usually <laughs>
1: <laughs> definitely definitely well you guys uh so what is this is three years in a row that you they both you and casey or between the two of you, um, y'all have had successful hunts on public, right? Three years. Yeah,
0: running? yeah, yeah. That's right, man. Um, let's see, twenty. Uh, he killed. He killed the infamous meat buck on uh, <laughs> Texas public um, in twenty. Technically, it was New Year's Day, twenty nineteen. So, but but it was the twenty eighteen season. Um, and when I say infamous, in. Uh, infamous meat buck, I'm talking about a spike that um KC, you know, talked about uh in the post interview how it was a and we named it the meat buck, you know, it was a deer that he shot because uh he wanted to turn it into meat and it uh kind of rubs some people the wrong way that are a little bit uh full of themselves I think and so sure. um I don't know why, but that's just well, what happens when you put stuff out there for the masses in public, you know.
1: The deal is is Texas, we can kinda we can kinda break this down for people who don't know because a lot of people are not necessarily familiar with this. I would consider Texas to be a a southern state, especially um the, the area of Texas that you guys hunt. So um mm. you're not gonna find a ton of public land out in Texas. Um there's just not very much. That's where I was born and raised at and it was not even a thought that entered my mind growing up in West Texas, but now my, my family lives in East Texas in around Tyler and there's a little more public land. It's still not like a ton. There's still not mm-hmm. a lot, but there is some. Um, and I would consider East Texas to be a whole lot more um, terrain, vegetation and stuff like that. Like the rest of the South, you know, Louisiana, you're not far from Louisiana. Yeah. You got Mississippi, um, Arkansas isn't too terribly far. And so it kind mm-hmm. of, it, it kind of is that same, that same type of area. Um, but one thing that people don't know is the weird antler restrictions in Texas. So, can you kind of talk about mm-hmm. that and um, and how it kind of makes things a little bit difficult for you guys?
0: Sure, yeah, man. So uh, you grew up in Midland, right? Yep, yep, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's, uh, it's a lot different. And one thing that people should keep in mind during this podcast, if they're not familiar with Texas, is that um, you know me driving to Midland. Uh, would take longer than me driving to like Kansas or Missouri, you know. So yes. like, it's a uh, Texas is a huge state, and Midland's not even, you know, it's not even way out there. When you start looking at some of that Trans-Pecos region, Northern Panhandle, and even down the stuff near Mexico and everything, so it's a it's a huge state. There are different <clears throat> restrictions all over the state. Um, a lot of people, you know, in these different states, think about uh, how many bucks do you get as a resident of that state. And for us, um, we get X amount of tags and, and they manage by county here. So, uh, certain counties are going to have, you know, like where we're at, it's technically it's a two buck County, but one of them has to be a spike on one side or less, or sorry, it has to have a spike, you know, a single point on one side, at least, uh, to be harvested if you've already harvested the big deer essentially that you get for that county mm-hmm. um and so the big deer meaning a deer over 13 inches wide with four points on on one side and so and man these these uh regulations are just you know crazy and this is something that's been in in place for probably 20 years or more uh so the, the there's something that I'm not a fan of I've been about this on my podcast, I'm not very much of a fan of the antler restrictions, but there is no doubt that because of the antler restrictions, we have w- a way healthier, probably overall, and a way um bigger trophy potential here in Texas than we used to have. I mean, growing up, dude, like if you shot an eight point, it was like, I mean, it, it was it was a big deal, you know? Like mm-hmm. if you shot a deer with eight points or more, it was like that's a big deer. It doesn't matter if that deer scores, you know, 92 or whatever. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's uh it's a thing here in East Texas. Well, now, I mean, there's some pretty big deer getting shot around East Texas, um, these days. So, yeah. and then another thing I would kind of keep, I'd say to keep in mind here is also, is that like, you know, these, uh, these counties where you get one buck, that's a big buck. That's all you can shoot in this County. Well, if I go, if I got a piece of property and permission or whatever, 15 miles down the road in a different County, and it's a one buck county. I can use a different tag there, so I've, I could technically go to like I think five one buck counties. Uh, and I think that's right. Sorry if you know I don't do that, so I don't know, but I'm pretty sure you get five buck tags here mm-hmm. or something like that. Three, something like that. So I can go to if I had three, say I could go to three different one buck counties and shoot a deer. So yeah, it's kind of confusing um, even for a resident, mainly because most residents just kind of know what county they're, they're hunting in and what the regs are. And then they, you know, abide by that. So,
1: yeah. And the reason, the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because talking about KC's uh, meat buck that, that spike, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that does not mean that you guys aren't having encounters with mature deer that are, or, or at least decent, decent bucks that are not either unbranched or, um, 13 inches wide. Like that's a really, really Mm -hmm. hard thing to try to find. I'm, as I sit here looking at my wall, um, some of the bigger deer that I've killed, actually my biggest buck ever, he's going to be right at 13 inches wide and he was 135 inch buck. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's big deer out there that are not going to make that 13 inch rule. And so you can't, you can't shoot them. You just have to let them walk. Um, and oh, so yeah. being able to shoot a spike like that is, um, you know, sometimes you just, you, you take the hand that you're dealt and if that's a legal buck and you know, the the 12 inch, you know, 120, 12 inch wide, 120 inch eight point isn't legal. I mean, it, it's just, it makes, it makes life harder and it makes you appreciate those yeah. spikes a little bit more. Um, when you get to shoot. Oh yeah,
0: it sure does, man. You know, I, I, when that, when that law first kind of came into effect, um, uh, you know, it had been in effect for a while, but we, um, I I was hunting with a buddy up in Oklahoma and he shot a really tall, just nice 10 point that went 148 and it was 12 and three quarter inches wide. And it's like, dude, that deer is not legal where we're from. It's crazy. You know? Um, uh, but that deer almost scores 150 inches, you know, and we've run into that a little bit on some of these properties, like you said, where we've got, I mean, we got deer big sixes and stuff that are just, you know, a hundred percent this deer is, you know, six or six years older or, or older, you know? And so, but it's, you know, the thing is you just don't, you don't really know unless you know the game warden. I think the game warden could have some discretion, um, you know, because the idea is, the idea is that we have uh, what Casey and I call the East Texas eight, which is a pencil thin eight point that grows out and is 13 inches wide by the time he's two or three years old. <laughs> and the, the rule is in effect to try to save that deer and let him get another year. And um, you know, that's, uh, that's what it does most of the time. Cause people are kind of afraid to do that, but I just don't love it because as a young hunter, uh, I remember my first buck was probably 8 or 9 inches wide, a little mm-hmm. 6, you know. And, dude, I've never been more happy to walk up on a deer in my life, you know. And I think about the the kids that, uh, uh, you know, out in East Texas, they don't get a uh, chance to shoot a buck because they don't have a, a deer that will for sure go 14, you know, or over 13 inches wide.
1: And it makes it makes it hard <coughs> because, at least in the in the area in the county that my dad owns property in, in East Texas, um, you only have a certain couple of days that you can shoot a doe. So, you know he's mm-hmm. he goes out there and he'll see does. You can you can shoot them during archery season, which is good, but um, once once gun season gets here, you you pretty much can't shoot does anymore. And so, you can't shoot you can't shoot most bucks. Um, you can shoot a spike, which if you're trying to manage property, is that really a, a good way to go about doing it? Or and yeah. you can't shoot a doe. So there's so when you think about children, you think about kids getting kids involved and stuff. It's going to take a very specific deer for them to be able to go out and experience their first kill, whether it's their dad or brother or whatever, whoever it is shooting it. It's going to take a very specific deer for them to be able to enjoy that and experience it for the first time. Um,
0: yeah, man. I mean,
1: I, I I can so like for me, my
0: my journey to like big deer started with small deer and I literally just like you know just kind of up to myself a little bit over and over again for years you know and like got bigger and bigger and I think like to me that's just such an ideal way to do things mm-hmm. but if you're if you're you know uh kid hunting growing up in East Texas now like you have got a spike option for your first buck and then after that if you want to shoot something bigger than that it's probably going to end up being like a, a nice deer and it's like well I'm you know personally, I'm glad my second buck was not 125 inches. Like I'm glad my second buck was a tiny little, you know, six point or whatever that yeah. was probably a year and a half old, you know, like I just think that it helps me to appreciate bigger deer as I grow older and mature, you know what I mean? Um, that I didn't just start out shooting big bucks, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't think it would have the same allure to me if that was the case. And, and, you know, here in east texas another thing we haven't really talked about is like um you know in the south really uh a 13 inch wide deer is like a pretty wide deer man like yeah you know if he's at the ear tips uh then he's probably pretty close to 13 inches well if it's a midwest deer and he's at the ear tips he's probably close to 16 inches you know yeah so it's a it's the same it's a comparable deer to a 16 inch wide midwest deer you know
1: yep yeah you're definitely right that's it, it it makes it makes life a little bit difficult but um the reality is is that um it is a management practice that they've, they've put in place and it has helped mm-hmm. and you have been able to the last 2 years kill two really solid public land deer in Texas and uh and I want to talk about that so so you recently killed one was it last i guess it was week before last um you killed one is that it's right
0: a, It's a world i think it was november fourth maybe i think Sounds it was right. a third. i think it was the third because i killed third.
1: mine on the fourth
0: yeah and i no, remember y'all fine, sent me
1: all right. that uh casey sent me that text while like while i was walking up on my deer i got that text from him it was like a little <laughs> teaser picture of it that's it said cool. uh it had like the the shh emoji like don't tell and uh um, <laughs> yeah yeah and i was i was jacked up for you so so you killed that one and then you killed another one last year um uh, was that in October or, or December? No,
0: it was going to be first week of November again. Okay. It was um, November. Okay. Yep. I was yep. all over the place.
1: Yep. So, so first a lot, week in November, uh, different weather. It was, it colder or, or warmer.
0: Oh yeah. Much colder. You yeah. know, it's been pretty warm this year overall in November.
1: It has. Yeah. I mean, dude, I haven't even gotten to take out my, my cold gear stuff at all. Me um, neither. Yeah. <laughs> I went to Kentucky Last week, expecting to just like this time last year in Kentucky, it was like snowing and freaking cold, and uh, this year it was seventies, you know, the whole time. So mm-hmm. it was pretty, it was pretty warm. But you're growing two years back yeah. to back now. Is that your first like really good, solid public land deer in Texas last year? Um, yeah, you know, man, it's um, <clears throat> it's been really
0: um tough especially like local for, for us. We don't live in the best deer hunting country in the world necessarily, but, uh, it's, you know, it's been, like I said, we've been filming stuff since 2016, um, for, for deer on public land here in Texas. And, uh, and we've had some, like, like we mentioned, we've had some encounters with some decent bucks that were, um we would have loved to have shot, but they were probably 12 to 13 inches wide. And then, um, KC's actually had a few encounters that have been really close calls, uh, including a really, really nice buck in 2016. Um, when we first started doing this, that jumped a string, like a acrobat, man, just crazy, you know? <laughs> and, um, just, I don't know. I, I was talking to a buddy today or a couple of days ago, um, i talked to him today as well but he mentioned he's like man i just don't know of a deer that moves faster than an east texas deer yeah. it's like they can just cr- come out of their skin man so uh but yeah this is this is the first uh you know two year, or last year in 2019 that was the first time i had been able to shoot uh uh a a deer on public i've sh- on texas public i've uh i've had the opportunity to shoot some spikes i've had the opportunity to shoot lots of does but a deer that was over 13 inches has uh definitely eluded me for a couple of years there yeah and you in so. last
1: year you killed like a 450 pound doe on texas public too right like it was just a giant. <laughs> yeah i killed, yeah I,
0: I did i killed a big doe uh that was uh i i don't know i she was by herself, so I didn't know. Like until I got up on her, I was like, "Holy smokes!" I don't know if I can get her on the cart by myself. <laughs> so it was, but uh, th- that was cool too. You know, those those were uh, my first two deer. You know, came off of uh, Texas public last year.
1: That's so, cool. That's cool. It's really neat. Yeah. And and just another plug for you guys on on YouTube. Uh, that's definitely not the first deer that y'all have shot, and not the first deer you've shot on public land. that um, You got all kinds of videos on, uh, on YouTube where you guys are going out to Kansas and, and other places. And this year you actually, uh, was it Illinois that you killed? You killed like a, a stud in Illinois, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I killed what may be the biggest eight point I've, I've
0: killed, uh, this year in Illinois. He's really, really big. Um, I, I shot one with a rifle in Kansas a long time ago. Uh, we've been hunting up there for 15 or 20 years. That's, uh, he's 154 inch eight point. My dad scored him when I was, I think I shot him on a 17 or something like that with a oh, rifle. Wow. So, um, this deer is very, very close to that, I think. So That's I don't know.
1: I, I I hadn't scored him, but he's in that, he's in that ballpark for sure. He's a big one. So, so you guys That's have huge. been doing all that kind of stuff. And, and obviously I listen to your podcast and I hear y'all on, uh, on YouTube. I I watch your stuff on YouTube. Uh, and one thing that, that I really want to want to know for, I guess really any, any place, but specifically for Texas, when you're going into those areas in Texas, can you, can you describe what the layout of the land is, what the vegetation is? Um, and then once, once we do that, I want to kind of talk more tactical, how you guys are breaking down those areas and what you're specifically looking for sure yeah yeah so um you know texas is a big state we do have a draw system
0: there are lots of different hunts that we we put in for so things could vary pretty tremendously uh and and even roles on wmas and stuff vary pretty uh vastly a lot of times but for the majority of what we do uh these wmas are or any parcel of public that we're hunting is is going to be archery only for the most part. Um, I'm not too crazy about <clears throat> packing in with a bunch of dudes on the limited Texas public land that are carrying rifles around.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I'm not saying I wouldn't do it and I've done it before. Actually, I have taken a rifle and hunted public when I was in college a little bit, but, um, i guess really what what the vegetation or you know the vegetation the terrain the terrain is uh very flat overall honestly there's uh we have creek bottoms and that's kind of where any elevation might happen but it's it's uh it's really our, our country's very flat uh get pretty consistent winds usually the only thing that uh makes winds weird would be a slight elevation rise which we don't have a whole lot of and then uh you know like just impenetrable brush sometimes so we get these you know like in east texas we get green briar it grows like crazy and um you know it can make walls of of uh you know briars essentially that uh just grow up all the way up into big oak trees and stuff and mm-hmm. we've got we're post oak savannah so uh pretty thick post oaks, uh, willow oaks, um, sand post oaks. We've got some red oaks, um, different, uh, kind of swamp oaks. And so, uh, tons of oak trees, but most of the, we don't have any, like our whites are, our posts. That's pretty much it. We don't have, um, a whole lot of whites. Local, real, like real local here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to go kind of down towards some of like the, uh davy crockett and sam houston national forests bigger bigger chunks of public down a little bit deeper east texas um to get into like your more traditional like big acre and wide oaks you know yep so um that's kind of kind of what we have we have a lot of uh ash trees kind of junky trees like you know not very valuable trees like like ash trees in the in the creek and river bottoms and then we've got um a uh, ton of like locust trees which are got big thorns on them and bean pods um not super preferential as a food source but i have seen seen deer eat them some so and that's a it's, um, it's
1: funny it's funny out there uh because that's not really a, a main food source but i've been out places out here where that can be a very good food source especially um i believe later in the season uh those the uh, like the locust pods and all that kind of stuff. Uh Um, That's cool. I've been, I've tried with, I've had so many people on our podcast that I've asked
0: about like, you know, biologists and stuff like how, how do, I mean, how much do you see deer eat locust pods, you know, and they don't really talk about it a whole lot. Nobody really knows a whole lot about it as a food source, you know, but I do know that like, you can see them chewed up a little bit around here. And then I've, I've had, uh, maybe just a couple of instances where I've had deer eating them on public in Texas, you yeah. know, close by. Um, but just, you know, there are there, uh, other food sources that they're going to prefer, I think, in our area For most sure. of the time.
1: Well, when you got flipping four million persimmons like you had in that video. Yeah.
0: Um... Dude, persimmons, um, deer feeders, you know, corn everywhere. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. The, that's honest man like if you're hunting you know th- i mean it's it's uh it's something we use sometimes but it like deer gonna uh base their pattern or travel patterns around deer feeders sometimes in texas especially east texas because we got small we have small parcels and mm-hmm. uh everybody likes to hunt or has an uncle or nephew that does and i mean there's feeders everywhere you know so yeah, that's true you can, people, uh, people you can kind of catch them, them. them going to and from
1: People have them in their backyards. I mean, there's literally corn mm-hmm. feeders everywhere in Texas. It's nuts. Yep. Um, and, and we have that here, too. Don't get me wrong. Like, in Alabama, um, you know, baiting is now legal in Alabama, so people are, are hunting over corn piles and things. But I do think it's a little bit different compared to Texas because here we really do have a lot of natural – Food that they're going to prefer over corn so there is certain times of the year when the corn pile is going to be the best which is what i believe to be like in the summertime when when um before acorns fall and stuff but late season when it starts getting really cold and most of the green stuff is gone and the acorns are all gone corn piles are i mean they the deer pretty well disappear where we live is that similar to how it is there, is there a lot of natural food, or is it, is it still just typical Texas, where there's not just a ton of natural browse, and so they're basing everything on corn?
0: Man, I mean, yeah, like, in in our area, they in, in the whole, you know, East Texas is basically, like you said earlier, it's the South, you know, and we've got, right where, where we live, we don't have a ton of pine trees, but like you drive 15 minutes East of here and all of a sudden we're in pine country, you know what I mean? And so like, it's, uh, we're, we're right on the edge of it. Um, so it's a very similar habitat landscape from here all the way to Florida, just about, you know what I mean? And we've got a ton of natural browse. Like I, I was talking about this with, uh, my buddy Adam Keith and, uh, he came and looked at, looked at a property with me this summer and, He he was like, you know, when's the the heaviest stress period for y'all? And I'm like, dude, that's July and August, really. You know, I mean, the deer, there's not like a, you know, up north, like they always talk about how deer run out of food and they got to eat twigs till they're, you know, till finally something greens up in April or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that, we don't have the issue. I mean, we've got like always there's always something green to eat around here. You know what I mean? It's even this time of year, like you're gonna have ryegrass going up in the road ditches and stuff and you know, it's there's stuff to eat year round. That definitely plays into um you know the, the winter season plays into um you know how uh things you know most things are dying so they're going to move to corn pretty heavily as things get cold and start to die, you know, no doubt. But I'm just saying, like, there's no, like, there's no, really our, our herds are not stressed in, until it's just brutally hot in August, you know yeah.
1: what I mean? So, is there, but yeah, there's
0: a, there's a lot of
1: natural food, you know? Is there any crops or anything like that around where y'all live?
0: No, man. I mean, most of Texas doesn't have crops. Um, if you go north of where we live a little bit, there's a, a little bit of crop country. And if you go, um, if you go West a little bit as well, um, but like for most of East Texas, um, you know, like where we, where I live right here is actually dairy country and traditionally has been, uh, small farm dairies are going away big time right now, you know, and have yeah. been for years, but, um, <clears throat> it's dairy country and, um, originally, and now because, because there's no, um, you know, there's no. Uh, system, systems in place for, um, you know, crops or whatever, essentially. So, like, harvesters, you know, uh, planters, and and then just uh, the silos and stuff like that. Like, those are not things that we have in our infrastructure. So, um, because it's always been dairy country, so now what they've changed it over to is either hay production, which is, mm-hmm. like, coastal Bermuda grass or Tifton, or, um, you know, that just graze cattle on it for beef um since a lot of the small dairies have gone away and so it's uh like our fields are not super beneficial for deer really like they can they'll go out like their gregarious nature they'll go out in at night and hang out where they can see each other with a little moonlight and, and do their thing you know and yeah meet up communicate whatever and then they'll browse some stuff out of that you know out of the hay fields but overall Um, there's not a whole lot of food in the, in that thing for a deer herd.
1: Okay. So that, I mean, that, that definitely plays a part because in a lot of places, you know, crops, even if there's not crops on the public, crops still play a part in what the deer are doing, where the deer are going and um, Mm -hmm. being able to, being able to, you know, set up your areas and, and find, find the areas that deer might be moving through going to and from cropland. But it sounds pretty much like you got corn and you got browse like that's pretty much that's pretty much what they got um and then some and then some hard mast you know with acorns and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. um i want you to break down um so we kind of we kind of talked about what you have as far as vegetation what you have as far as food um terrain is flat with a little bit of terrain around the creek bottoms and stuff i want you to break down how you go about scouting and trying to find these areas where you feel like deer are gonna be at in that type of place.
0: Yeah. Sure. The, so um man, like putting dirt under your boots is is a big deal. Um uh in the Midwest I feel like I can I can map scout something and um when I show up that it could uh it could turn out pretty good. I mean like just for instance this this is – I mean, I don't take this like as – I'm not trying to be uh, pompous at all here. But, like, when we went to Illinois and we had several guys, it was – I mean, we had five guys scouting this property. And so, like, lots of help. But K.C. and I got on the maps and we said, this is the place we want to check out in this particular parcel. Um, and we went in there and we – within – You know, 45 minutes. Well, actually, the first place we went was just crazy with rubs, man. Like, we were like, oh, this looks good. And and then within, you know, 45 minutes after that, we found a summer, like a year-round scrape, put a camera on it. Um, I had a buddy check the camera. Uh, A couple months later, there was freaking toads all over it. (laughs) And then we – and then I literally waited for – a pretty good cold front in late October that gave me a good wind as well and walked in with a different access route, but it, you know, one that I felt like was good and killed a just giant eight point in two hours, you know? And so like just the, the nature of crop country with Creek bottoms and, and that kind of thing in the Midwest, like, it just lends itself to if you spent some time there and you know kind of what's going on, it lends itself to being able to like predict things by map scouting. Yeah. And so um, like I don't feel like that. I mean, we definitely had to put some dirt on our boots there, you know, but like not a ton, but here in, uh, in Texas, man, a lot of times, um, you know, habitat is, somewhat monotonous and very unpredictable in East Texas deer deer are very unpredictable in East Texas. Um, and I think that it just takes a lot of, I mean, we've put so many miles under our boots in this, in this country. And I think, uh, you know, one thing that you have to do, like starting out, um, and and like, I mean, just like a tip for instance is in this people, like there's gonna be some people that have some distaste for this, uh, that hunt, you know, or, purists or whatever hunt in different states but like it's a bait state in texas or whatever you want to call it Mm we we call them feeders some people call them bait because they don't like it or whatever but i mean (laughs) that's just what it is it's it's culture and if we didn't if we didn't use feeders man there it'd be hard to kill deer period around anywhere in texas really
1: yeah
0: um because you know just because of our different crop infrastructure like i said earlier and uh, a lot of places that are super thick, I mean, in South Texas, you wouldn't see deer if there wasn't uh, uh human intervention, cutting Definitely. senderos and, and uh, putting corn out and stuff, you know, you, you yeah. would literally not see deer. So, um, but you know, around here, um, uh, I'm looking for feeders a lot of times on private. Uh, if, um, you know, that's, that's something that I can do map scouting. I can find feeders or box blinds, and then find feeders. And you can, you know, you still want to see if that feeder's uh, throwing at some point, you know, because, you know, year to year people just will leave stuff and not really, not have been that big of a hunter, you know, whatever, and just leave the feeder out there not running. But um, that's something I look for, honestly. Like one thing that is um, kind of a through and through thing that I've found in deer country, if you want to get on deer or if you want to find a place to start is find a creek system and deer are going to travel up and down that creek system you know i mean that's just anywhere you hunt deer pretty much and so uh walking up and down a creek system can teach you a lot about a property um but you know as far as uh map scouting goes to to get started going into a place um in east texas man or really in texas like um finding finding a place that's probably like at least six tenths of a mile in walk um and uh depending on like what time of the year it is you know looking for different types of trees whether that be oaks um or whatever it might be um and trying to get into kind of some of the remote parts of particular parcels but yeah i'll say that with the caveat that like if you're if you're um, if you can look on a map and go, man, that looks like a good spot, at least here, especially in East Texas, um, and it's a mile or a mile and a half back, it uh, it will almost definitely have a deer stand there, like somewhat new deer stand. That's just what it is, man. Like there's just a lot of pressure um, in our area, and if you can see it from a map, there's been a guy that that uh has put a stand in there and what it boils down to and i talked about this on a different podcast the other day is that 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 is if there's stands when you get in there and there's nobody in there then you probably should just hunt it because you know then that's why hunting in the week if you can is a good idea but those those stands are there because dudes have had good hunts in there over the last several decades you know what i mean and people know that that's a place that they can encounter deer when they go in there. Um, you know, guys are, guys are willing to go pretty far, you know, and, and, uh, if they're willing to go pretty far, they probably have a clue about what they're doing a little bit. And so they picked a good spot too, but you just gotta, just gotta hope that, uh, you're, you're hunting it when they're not. And even if they spook deer in there, man, but before you're in there and that kind of thing. A lot of times, dude, around here, it's the best habitat. Those deer are not going anywhere, really. You know what I mean? Yes. They may be out for a few days, but they're going to come back through there, man, because that's that's where they have to live. They they can't go live somewhere else because they're going to get bothered or they're going to get shot.
1: Well, and the reality so. is, is you're you're talking about flat land with not just a not just an abundance of water. There's nothing really to stop somebody on a on a piece of flat property a mile, it Mm -hmm. takes you 15 minutes to walk that, you know, it just, Mm -hmm. it's just not, it's not difficult to get back there. Um, I mean, you, you walk that, that much, you know, go into the mall with your wife. And so these guys, I mean, (laughs) you got hunters that if they're willing to just put in a little bit of effort, you know, walking in 15 minutes on flat land, that's relatively easy to do. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have some of the barriers that I have where, uh, we, we have lots of water like we have tons of water yeah. out here you can you can use that to separate you from from other people you can use terrain i mean we got big giant bluffs and and stuff like that stuff that people would not typically want to walk up and down to get to a certain area if you were if you're willing to do that or if you're willing to use creative access you can you can get there into those areas but where you're at um, I, if it's anything similar to what my dad's property is like, which I'm sure it, 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 it is somewhat similar. Um, mm-hmm. it, there's just not a lot that's going to stop you from going the extra mile, you know? And so, and so going in there and, and understanding that there's going to be people there, there's going to be stands there. Um, is it's just a reality that you have to deal with. Now I'm, I'm curious to know, um, as far as like, habitat diversity you kind of mentioned a little bit like when you find a place on a map in flatland typically flatland i would imagine the the places that you're finding on the map are and you're saying that looks good it's all based around you know transition lines and hard hard lines that you're seeing of vegetation on the map is that correct
0: yeah man that's like you know, one of the first things that I, when I really started trying to like understand how to hunt deer better around here, um, and not just hunt feeders and that kind of thing, I, one of the first things I had to, one of the first like big epiphanies that I had, um, was that there are edges in what seems like monotonous country. And we call, like we have this term we call DMA deer movement area, um, being in the south deer are not quite as big as their midwestern cousins and they don't lay down as much sign we don't get a ton of rubs and scrapes our trails are very faint at times and they're not like they're not beat in like cattle trails um with use because a lot of times these uh public land areas are built around low river floodplain habitat and so these deer don't necessarily need to just stay on a trail. They could walk five yards over there or they could walk 50 yards over there and they're pretty much doing the same thing. They're just not walking down the exact place all the other deer are putting their feet, you know? And so, Mm -hmm. um, so what, so what we run into a lot and this is why it's so difficult to kill deer around here sometimes or it has been for us at least is that you can find these edges a lot of times. So, in a river bottom um there may be some kind of just like foot rise or something like that or whatever it might be you could have like all elms or all kind of elm and hackberry country and then all of a sudden it's straight ash or uh or there's a just a belt of oaks or something like that and it makes for an edge and deer will follow somewhat closely to that it becomes really hard to kill deer when you're hunting with a bow and you gotta get within thirty five yards. If those deer are just using this big expanse of a river bottom, then they can, you know, so you like you see a deer at seventy five yards and you're like, dude, I'm I'm on him. Like I, I'm here. He's doing exactly what I thought he was doing. He's walking down the edge of this thing, but there's just no rhyme or reason why he's seventy five yards there over there today and then tomorrow he'd come down the same trail the same dma but be on a different path that's 45 yards closer or whatever so yeah. um that's what makes it kind of difficult to kill deer around here because there's not a whole lot that forces their hand makes them do the exact same thing you know with to to within a couple of yards every day they can kind of wander a little more and so it makes reading sign difficult um but to be honest like hunting in this hunting these kind of deer and these, and this kind of habitat I think has made us better hunters yeah. um, when we go out of state and that kind of thing, because the sign just jumps at you. The things that you see are just like, you're like, man, this is awesome. Like I can predict what this deer is going to do so easily, you know, like sure. we were in South Dakota this year and we could not get a good win for this particular place. We had, we had scouted, we map scouted it and we got, like a mile and a half away when we first showed up and we glassed it with spot and scope and we saw deer doing what we thought they'd be doing and we couldn't get a win for like four days and the the when we finally got the win we needed um we both went in and and shot deer that night and we weren't able to recover kc's but we both shot deer that night and you know my, my point is it's not you know um that necessarily we're great hunters or whatever but we have been able to fine tune our skills on some of these really difficult deer and this really difficult sign to find. And it just makes it uh, pop when we see something in a state where, you know, deer do exactly what they're supposed to do and are, yeah. on, are patternable and that kind of thing, you know? So I
1: see the, I see the same, the same stuff when I go out of state um, compared to what I find here in Alabama. I mean, it's just, and, and then you go to somewhere like Florida where, um, it's even, it's even worse. <laughs> like you, mm-hmm. you go to states like that and then like they're, they're jealous of what you have in Texas and what I have in Alabama, you know? So, yeah. I mean, there's definitely, um, some good things though that come from learning a, a place that's your home. If it's, if it's, if it's difficult, you know, like where you're at, um, mm-hmm. you know, you're right there close to where you could hunt Arkansas. You could hunt Oklahoma, you could hunt Kansas, Um, you don't have a a too terribly long drive to get some of these states where you can put in your same, you know, your same scouting tactics or whatever you want to call it in place. And all of a sudden it works in, in a place where there's actually deer and deer Mm are where they're supposed to be. I said that about Kentucky. Um, this is the first year I've hunted, uh, Kentucky rut and it was just so interesting to see go into a place that had very similar terrain, very similar vegetation to what I'm used to back home, and seeing how quickly you could actually find where deer are going to be at um, because deer are where they're supposed to be. You know, like it's mm-hmm. it's just so it's so crazy to see that um, and, and actually get to live that and, and see it in person. Mm-hmm. And so, um, man, I, th- I think it's super cool what you guys are doing. But uh, just to kind of to kind of wrap up, um, I wanted to I wanted to talk about both deer, both both of your big Texas public land bucks. So if we can um, just do a brief like breakdown of what the area was like for the for the buck last year, um, I, I would assume they're a little bit different. And then the buck this year go you can kind of go more into depth of how you're, you're scouting and um, you know learning about an area really came into play on both of those hunts. And if it was just, you know, I got lucky, you know, then that's, that's fine too. <laughs> but, um, sure. but go ahead and do that for me.
0: Yeah, dude. Um, so, um, you know, last year, the, the weather was much, much different. It was way cold. And, um, I had, I, I'd spent some time, um, this was kind of a, this was actually So this was uh, a place that I had never stepped foot on, but I had done some map scouting and that kind of thing. And um, basically once I was able to, to, this is something I run into a lot. Is like once I'm able to see a place in person, I can all of a sudden, like the map just makes so much more sense all of a sudden if I've never been to a place. um, There's different, there's just, you know, sometimes, uh and this is same case in Illinois this year and that kind of thing. It's like sometimes you don't know um A you don't know what roads are actually open and what you know yep. like a lot of times on like Corland, you um like dudes can drive all over that stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's just crazy how much you know, how much vehicle traffic they allow and that stuff. It's hard to get away from people on Corland sometimes, you know. So Um, you know, showing up and knowing which roads are for sure open and which ones are like, you know, uh, only open to energy workers or whatever it might be. So, um, but like, I also run into like, when I, when I see a a place, I can say, okay, well, this is a big group of, you know, plum thicket. So I can see that on the aerial. Now I know all this stuff is plum thicket when really I thought it was all just CRP. It's like, well, actually there are big giant groups of plum thickets in there. And I think that that's, uh, that could be bedding or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, cause I mean, if it's, if it's just CRP grass and it's 75 degrees in the middle, in the middle of the day, like it's a good chance deer aren't going to be bedding in that CRP grass. But if there's a plum thicket, then they can get some shade in there or whatever. So it makes a difference, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so like for, for this, for the buck last year, um, It took me, you know, a few days, uh, working on this place to, um, start to, and I met another hunter and was able to talk to him a little bit. Um, and he was, he was definitely a help and let me know what he had seen. Um, but basically I had seen like, had seen from, uh, from a different location, I had, I, I had, you know, basically worked my way in over the, over several days to this other, to where I'd seen some deer moving around this other location. And so I ended up having to use a different access, but I came around, uh, from a different direction and I, um, I had a, I think I had a North wind and this deer, um, well, so like when I came in, I made a big loop around and then went into the wind. Uh, and what I was looping around was basically a bunch of a persimmon thickets and b a bunch of different like brush and brush piles that I thought could be bedding. And, um, and so like, it was one of those cases where like I'm scouting my way in and which is like, dude, I'm just on edge. I had already done that several times on this trip and, and one day I literally, I uh, I was, uh, just minutes away from setting up on, in a particular tree, but I wanted to go check out this other tree that was like 40 yards away, uh, just to make sure I wasn't missing something. And I bumped a deer that was bedded like under that other tree. So I was, and it was windy. So I think I could have gotten set up and possibly killed that deer that night. But <clears throat> anyway, I, I was, I had that issue. So, but I was going to do the same thing, you know, go in and uh try to scout my way in and not bump deer so you kind of like really every for me every move takes a couple minutes to think about because i don't want to just haste hastily go in there and jump deer or whatever yeah and so i basically you know long story short went in and um found a uh an actual like a levee in this wetland area um and when I got on the levee I could see um, several trails intersecting right on that levee right there and this is this is one of those things like it's not uh, it's not obvious per any particular feature necessarily that this is the place to be but I just could tell that there was several trails a couple of good ones and several faint ones that just all kind of intersected and came up over this levee right here for no particular reason that I know of necessarily like that was just the place that deer crossed. Mm -hmm. And I I can't tell you why, like it was not the levee was lower there or anything. And so, um, ended up sitting on that trail or on that intersection in a cottonwood tree. And I had passed through a bunch of persimmons and and lots of them are still holding. Um, and they were so close you know, that uh, a knew deer would probably be coming in there feeding around and hopefully come up over that levee. And that's what happened. I, I had a buck get up out of his bed. Um, I don't know exactly where he was bedding, but if I had just come straight into my stand from where I walked in, I would have almost guaranteed I would have just jumped him. But I made that big loop around into the wind and circled, you know, downwind of all the bedding and that kind of thing. He stood that's, up. L- hold on just, just one second. That's forever. That's something sure. that
1: people – Really, really, really overlook a lot of the time. I get, I, I have been, um, not criticized, but like, why would you take that route to get there? And, and the re- the reality is, is you find those types of situations happen a lot. Like, I will not go and hunt an area um, if I know, especially if I'm, if I'm certain that my wind is going to be. If my winds, my wind, your wind can be good to hunt an area, but it can be really, really bad for access to an area. And so Mm -hmm. I'm not going to hunt unless both of those things are, are in my favor. I'm not going to hunt that spot unless I can find a creative way to get around. Like what you're talking about going, uh, you know, a long route to get around and people overlook that stuff all the time. I think it's those little, little tiny things that can make or break a hunt, which obviously yeah. it, it did in that situation anyway go ahead for
0: sure yeah no that, that's a great point man i i um yeah i was able to to uh, come around and come into the wind and I, and i think um if i had blown my wind I, I had to have walked within 100 yards of this deer no doubt um you know as he was bedded or whatever and um anyway set up he gets up out of his bed at some point pretty early on and he just he just Eats some persimmons and just stands there. I mean, it's like, like it if you know, you know, like when you work, when you wake up in the morning, you're groggy and you just kind of like look around at things, you stare, you know, like that's what this buck was kind of doing. He's just kind of staring at stuff. And then he finally started eating a little bit of persimmons and stuff. And he's, I mean, he's literally like, I pulled out a, I pulled out a scent stick or whatever, because he was going to be so close to my wind that I was afraid it was going to swirl or something. And, get in his nose and so I was thinking, well I'll just you know, pull out this extra stick or whatever and hopefully it'll be strong enough it'll overwhelm anything if you know, if uh he does catch my wind, which he never did. But he was very close and he came he came, you know, just off my wind basically and when he got to like thirty yards he just all of a sudden just like kinda took off. He was just like dead walk and he was gonna walk right up over the levee where I was at I shot him at seven yards, you know. And it was, uh, it was, uh, just, I don't know. It just was such a great feeling, man, for sure. You know, it's just to, uh, finally have shot one that was, uh, bigger than the width rule, you know, and, and, uh, also just kind of cool to be able to set up on, you know, where he walked seven yards from me, you know, that's a tough thing to make happen sometimes unless you're, like I said, hunting where trails are beat down you know so it was cool that's 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 really
1: neat that's really cool i mean um so so what i didn't realize is that persimmons actually did play a huge role in that one as well so yeah um, yeah he was you know he fed a little bit on them
0: uh but he just kind of he did the whole groggy mill around thing more than anything he rubbed some trees and stuff but they were definitely there were definitely persimmons in the area and i think the role was more that like when there's, when there's a food source like that, deer are, um, going to be around, you know what I mean? Yep. So it's not necessarily that you're, you know, hunting the white oak tree, but if you're hunting 10 white oaks on the side of a ridge, then there's probably going to be deer around and hopefully one of them comes in the bow range, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. Definitely.
1: All right. So moving, moving on to, to this year, um, Was there, was there anything that just completely stuck out to you that was, um, like maybe the main, the main strategy going into this hunt for that buck? Um, dude, it's a very similar story really, actually, um, um,
0: with the way I was hunting because, um, you know, like our deer, uh, like in Texas has several different ruts but, you know, in East Texas especially, it's it's like mid-November is the time. And in a lot of places in Texas, um, like the 10th through the 20th is like, those are the days, man. Um, and so like that early November time period um, can be kind of warm like it was this year and can be very much pre-rut still. Mm-hmm. And so food sources played a role. Um I had set up on a pinch and, uh, in between a couple of sluice, and had seen like it was a, it was a great place to kill a deer, but it was too hot and it was too early in the season, I think. And I was, I had deer coming by me, but I just felt like I needed to get further in, um, because deer were just not moving up to me before dark, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, big deer at at least. And, um, and so I hunted a morning, uh, another morning in that spot and saw, uh, what looked like a shooter, shooter buck actually working his way through another persimmon thicket. And, um, and I, so I moved over and got into a cottonwood, um, in a bunch of persimmons, man, uh, you know, right in the mix. I just found several different groups of of persimmons that were still holding, you know, like every, not every grove is holding persimmons. Not every one of them has females in it that are producing persimmons. And so, um, but there was like three different groups around this, this one cottonwood tree, um, that I hung in and I was able to, um, have the same thing kind of happen, Buck gets up from bedding and, uh, mills his way up into some persimmons, man. And that's the thing like the deer, you know, you, you, uh, if you get blessed, man, and you have a shot at, uh, at the deer, but if you, if you, uh, don't necessarily have the shot, you, you know, it's just, it's mainly because you just couldn't, you just wasn't within bow range, but yeah. you, you know, I think if you're sitting in the middle of a food source like that, or for instance, like one thing we focus really heavy on in like early October is Schumard oaks, which are a type of red oak that grow a big acorn. Uh, almost the size of a white oak and we have found several pockets of them here in east texas and i mean if they're producing they're bad to the bone man but yeah. that's, but you know like dude in east texas you may be you may be 60 yards from a deer and you can't see them you know yeah <laughs> and uh so like sometimes you just you know if the deer's in there eating out of schumars that are 60 yards from you you thought you had a bad evening, but really there was a big buck sixty yards from you in early October, and you just couldn't see him. You know, so yeah, you just we run into that with food sources a lot of times. It's like if it's a if it's a good enough food source to draw in deer, then it's probably it's big enough. You know, in a big enough area that you're not going to get a shot at every single deer that comes through. Right. So yeah, that's it's uh, definitely a good feeling when it comes together and you get the shot though, man. It's a uh, it doesn't happen often, and it's a and it's a feeling like nothing else, man. I know you know how it is.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, you can't beat it, especially uh, when you go into a place where typically people are talking about there's no deer here, um, let alone big bucks. I mean, and it does take a lot of work, a lot of time. You have to have the time. I had a guy the other day be like, um, you know, must be nice to get to hunt anytime you want. Well, the reality for me is that um, I don't really get to hunt anytime I want, and actually this year – I've spent significantly less time in the tree than um, any other year. And I think it's all about, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, keying in on those certain things that you know work in your area, finding the common denominators of, you know, like you said, last year's buck and this year's buck were very similar situations. So in the future, you're probably going to look at that same type area and be like, well, this is a, a good spot. You know, this is a common denominator spot. And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's been the same thing for me. You know, I have certain things that I, I don't even have to go into detail on, on this podcast because I have before in the past, but certain things that I, that I look at when I look at a map and when I put boots on the ground and I say, you know, this worked last time. And a lot of the time that is the times that I kill, you know, a good buck. And so I think, um, for a lot of guys, you know, whether you're in East Texas, whether you're in Louisiana, Mississippi. Georgia, Alabama, Florida, wherever you're in, you're going to have those things that that stick out to you or those things that are in common with all of your encounters. And I think um, from what you're talking about, Tyler, it's no different even going into Texas and and finding (laughs) finding those type of areas. So um, some of my takeaways from you are do not underestimate the power of actually going and seeing a person or seeing seeing a spot with your own eyes Um, Mm -hmm. that is very, very beneficial. You can't always tell from a map if you, you know, maps can be great and they can work out for you sometimes, but do not underestimate the power of that. Don't underestimate the power of creative access and going into a spot. And, um, you know, especially if you know the area and you know where the deer are bedding at or hanging out at, um, go in there and, and try to be as undetected as possible and, uh, don't cut corners. Like I would say you would agree with me on that. Like do not cut corners in your access because that can make or break a hunt for sure. Yep. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So cool dude. Well, we're, we're rolling up on an hour of, uh, of talking and it's been a, been a great conversation and dude. So what, what do you got planned for the rest of the season? Oh man, I've, uh, I've still got a Kansas tag and that has been
0: very difficult the last three years, man. We've had some, we've had some pretty good, we have some really great encounters over the last few years, man. Um, but, uh, it's pretty open country. It's very difficult. Um, and we've done a lot of ground game stuff and it's like I said, it's open. Uh, if you don't have two guys, the ground stuff can get really difficult. Um, especially when you're talking about filming your stuff, yeah, which we do. And, um, so, you know, I, I killed on December 12th in 2018 out there from the ground, wide open country, killing a deer that was heading to a food source, uh, basically laid down on my back in the grass to draw my bow and then set up and shot him. And <laughs> dude, I mean, just it's so difficult is this the deer that that. was like
1: 40 years old or something (laughs)
0: yeah yeah he was some yeah late 30s i think but um he was he was very old deer um but yeah like if i hadn't shot that if i hadn't shot that deer i wouldn't have shot like i wouldn't have killed one two years ago wouldn't kill one last year and i'm already feeling like I'm not going to kill one this year. <laughs> uh, hey, dude, you're, on, uh, you're on you're yeah. on a roll right
1: now. You need to go like tomorrow. Uh um, <laughs> dude, I it used would be surprised
0: you knew how much I'd been hunting the last 2 weeks and <laughs> uh had struggled, but I, I have been close uh to see some big deer. I ha- I've had them in bow range and uh one one of the one of those uh instances was not my bow range. 49 yards is a little too far. Yeah. But uh you know, that's uh that's a kansas has been tough man the last few years we've uh you know there's not just a ton of uh you know kansas is one of those states that like public land is like two percent or whatever you know yeah. just ridiculous and um and we've got some permission uh properties that we hunt but one of them is just absolutely i can't figure out this year we've been hunting for three years so i can't figure out why but dude, there's like no daytime of decent bucks, and especially lately, and uh, hmm. it's just the most odd thing because there's there's we've had good encounters there in the past. I mean, we should have killed several deer there. So it's uh it's it's very tough up there right now. I've got that as I've got that tag though that's in my pocket still. So I imagine I'll be up there at least once or twice more, and then um, be uh, here in East Texas, just kind of you know doing our thing uh until we can you know get uh, a few more deer on the ground maybe around here and then uh hopefully and then um uh, KC still has a South Dakota tag I feel like it's too far I feel like it's too far cause I still have a Nebraska tag and I feel like that's too far but we may make some kind of run up there um I'm sure it'll be you know ice cold for yeah. a couple of Texans <laughs> um but then yeah we'll we'll uh those are, that's kind of what we're looking at right now, and we don't know that anything else is going to happen as far as tags go, yeah. um, but we've got, we'll do a pig hunt in the postseason, man, that we've kind of started doing last year. It's super fun. We chase them around with shotguns and run like crazy guys all over <laughs> awesome. public land. So. That sounds like so much
1: fun. Yeah. I may have to oh, I may have is, to dude. get up there one day, or over there yeah, one day dude. to do that. Bring it on. Hey, and listen, there's always, I know you talked about it last year. I uh, don't know if you're thinking about it this year, but there's always that late Alabama rut and uh yep. come out with the boomstick and try to light one up.
0: So I have uh I have definitely thought about it. It's crossed my mind. So I'm sure you and I'll be talking about that um when we get to that point, man. Heck
1: yeah.
0: Well Tyler What man, time of year is that? Like uh is that gonna be January or February?
1: Both. <laughs> you can you yeah. can find you can find a rut, uh just to give you an example. Uh, I was scouting the day before turkey season in March two years ago an area that had, I mean, hundreds of fresh rubs all over the place in March. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's there's places out here where um, if you're not tagged out and you have to hunt until our fe- season ends February the 10th, you could, if you hunt until February the 10th, it ain't three weeks until turkey weasins, turkey season starts and uh, yeah it's it's nuts man it gets really crazy and unfortunately last year i was not tagged out by the end of the season so i hunted that whole time and um my wife was not happy once turkey season (laughs) started up three (laughs) weeks
0: later yeah so they don't they don't like us being gone much for some reason i don't know what
1: it is Uh, i don't know what it is our kids are great um, they're they're awesome and for some reason she just gets mad. I'm just kidding, not really. She's great. <laughs> My wife is and she actually is a champ. I think it takes a very special woman to be married to a hardcore deer hunter. So Oh yeah, um, for sure. For but, sure. Well, Tyler, man, good luck for the rest of the season and um tell K C that I wish him luck. He needs some redemption on that South Dakota trip. Um and so I'm I'm pulling for him on that. And uh Yeah. I'll let him know, man. So well cool dude well uh one more time tell people where they can find more about you guys and the stuff that y'all are doing
0: sure man yeah probably you know you can go to our website um the that's kind of a hub for everything but um in all honesty we don't do a whole lot there uh most of what we do is on youtube and instagram facebook so you can just look us up the element uh we do a podcast like you said appreciate the opportunity to uh be on your podcast man and promote what we got going on um, I respect what you do man and um, respect how you do it man I respect um, that uh, you have a uh, that you're a Christian man and that you uh, walk with faith and um, appreciate your friendship man and, uh, and like I said the opportunity to be here and, and talk in front of your listener base and and uh, the people you work so hard to connect with man
1: absolutely well same goes for you man i really appreciate you guys and what y'all do and and uh, thanks again for hopping on the show
0: sure thanks man
1: all right you guys thanks so much for listening to this episode of the southern ground hunting podcast again thank you tyler for coming on and talking about texas public land if you find yourself in texas wanting to hunt public land i highly encourage you to check out the element podcast and the elements youtube channel Maybe that'll help you out in your um, your journey along the way trying to hunt Texas public land. The, these guys are doing really really cool stuff out there. And um, so, before we end this episode, I wanted to remind you guys that you can always check out southerngroundhunting.com if you want some merch. We've got lots of hats, lots of shirts. Um, we got a, a hoodie on there that I just put on there, and a new uh, a new beanie that's out there. And um, yeah, it's. Uh, It's southerngroundhunting.com, and you can also find blogs and and just all kinds of stuff on that. That's kind of a hub for all the stuff that we've got going on. Um, You can check us out on YouTube. It's youtube.com forward slash southerngroundhunting, and you can find some videos there. I have been rather successful in posting weekly videos through this deer season. I've had a super blessed deer season, so that's been great. Um, but today, actually, if you're listening to this podcast when it drops today, we're going to be dropping a new video from last week where I had an encounter with a stud of a buck on, actually on a special draw hunt uh, at Oak Mountain State Park in, uh, in Birmingham. So it's kind of a, an urban public land hunt that was really fun, had a ton of fun doing that hunt, but that's going to be on YouTube today. It's going to drop. So if you are listening to this after it comes out, then it's already out on on YouTube. So you can check that out there. You can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram at Southern Ground Hunting. And that is going to do it for this episode. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.